ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to One-Eyed Tigers and Pies, the podcast where we talk about all things AFLW, so long as it involves Collingwood or Richmond. I'm Alexandra and I'm a One-Eyed Collingwood supporter. And I'm Tony and I'm a One-Eyed Richmond supporter. So welcome back, Alexandra, to another great week of football. How was your weekend? I had an absolutely wonderful weekend, uh, not just because the Pies won, but, you know, was a was a great Long weekend and going to the footy at Victoria Park is just always a fun thing to do. Oh, sounds great. Well, yes, you did better than me because I pretty much got to no football matches at all this weekend. And your team lost. And my team lost. Well, we had, I wasn't really planning on bringing that up. This is a podcast about Collingwood and Richmond, so you are going to have to talk about them even though they didn't win. Yes, yes. Well, we can maybe put them off. Maybe you'd better go first. But before I pass over to you, I do want to wish you happy International Women's Day. So I thought, saw some stats today that made me think of uh, you in this podcast. Uh, the gender pay gap is still at 13.4%. 13.4%. That's, you know, well... I don't know whether to say whether that's good or bad. It's terrible, but it could be worse. It's terrible. It could be, well, it is worse in some parts of the country because the other interesting thing I saw was, although some parts of the country are pretty good, WA has almost the worst at 22%, or 22, 23%. Right. So you're the problem. I am the problem. Absolutely, I am the problem. But I'm not as big a problem as the AFL, as we've covered previously. We covered it last season. I don't think we've touched on it this season, Was but it's still a very sore point. And 13.4% um, pay inequity would be amazing if the AFL could achieve that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So he's hoping the AFL can get back to just being 13.4% worse. Wouldn't that be an achievement? <laughs> oh, God, Tone, thank you for um, making my International Women's Day not. Let's let's talk about something cheerier. Why don't you start out and tell us how Collingwood went? Uh, look, I'm delighted to do that, Tone, because Collingwood won again. What round are we? Round six. I, that makes six in a row. Yeah, I, I'm getting real deja vu on this podcast. <laughs> yes, Collingwood won again, and uh, it was all of the usual suspects that did a great job. Um, so uh, Let me guess, was it Britt Benici or was it Chloe Malloy, Jamie Lambert? Where are we? Uh, and Brie Davey, you forgot to mention. Okay, sorry. And who who do you reckon was good down back? Oh, good down back. I reckon um, Schle- Ruby. Ruby would be really solid, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah she was great. So was Stacey Livingston. Of course. How, how did Charney Layton go? Oh, uh, Charney did okay. She didn't stand out. Um, oh, she kicked an amazing goal. Steph passed it to Charney and at a worse angle and only slightly further in, and I was like, I think Steph should probably have had it this shot rather than pass it on. And then Shani kicked an amazing goal. It was really good. So that was great. It was very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Jamie Lambert actually didn't have a very good game compared, oh. to, uh, compared to normal. So that was okay. a bit disappointing. So I've gone straight into talking about the players. I oh, say so that was my fault. I just got a bit enthused. You, you did. And maybe I'll continue talking about the players for a minute then because um, I do want to mention that Bree and Britt are um, second and third on the coaches' votes ladder, whatever that is, um, behind only, Bree's only one point behind Kiara Bowers. So they're having an extraordinary season and getting lots and lots of votes from the coaches. 
I, I always thought the coaches' votes were actually a really valid comparison because it's given by the people who either A, know what they were asked to do and assigned to do um, by the uh, their own coach or they were the person who the other coach looked at and said, oh, my God, they're killing us. This person's really hurting us. So I always thought it was the most valid of all the awards. Yes, um, that's my perspective as well. So it's kind of exciting to have two Collingwood players up there at the front. It is a bit of a midfielder's medal again, though, you would have to say. That's right, but at least there's more chance here of a key, key position player or a Ruckman getting, getting votes than there is, uh, for, for example, in the Brownlow or the you know, MVP or one of those awards. Fair enough. Um, so rather than talk any more about all of the usual suspects who played brilliantly for Collingwood, I want to mention a couple more. Abby Maloney um, debuted this weekend for Collingwood and she played up forward and she kicked two goals on debut. That's a pretty impressive debut. There is a more impressive stat than that. Do you share? Um, yeah, she might be rivalling Sabrina Duffy. Whoa, no handballs? She only had two possessions. Two possessions, two shots, two goals on debut. That's awesome. So she has a 100% kick-to-handball ratio. I don't think Duffy's doing that well. (laughs) I feel like this could be the start of something. Rather than maybe a focus on Sabrina Duffy, maybe we just need to pull out specific awesome stats like this from across the league. It would involve us looking across the league, whereas this stood out to me because it was a Collingwood match. Yeah, so maybe we could do some kind of half-assed version of it. Okay, cool. I'm all all up for a half-assed version of Duffy Watch, or we'll call yeah, we'll think of something. Um, so Abby Maloney kicking two on debut is pretty pretty bloody good. Well done. Um, Tani Brown had her best game so far. So I had high hopes of Tani Brown when we recruited her, and at the start of the season, she's played. Every match, and she's got better and better as she went along, Um, and this week was brilliant. So she had 15 possessions, was the third highest for our team, and we're quite a high-possession-getting team, Um, and she got a goal. 15 possessions and a goal is a a really solid return from an established player, let alone a first year. Yeah, yeah, and she she was great. So um, she's got a Rising Star nomination, and, and it was thoroughly deserved. It was really good. Oh, congrats, Tani. So now that I've talked about all of the players who are excellent, um, I do just want to mention that actually Collingwood's first half was dreadful. Um, so we kicked no goals seven in the first half. And I've got to be honest, apart from Chloe missing one that you would have thought she would get normally, we actually didn't ever look like it. We just we were, we were just off the ball and just didn't ever really look like we were in the game or playing the way that we would normally play. Must have been hard and to watch. It was very hard to watch. What I will say is that the Bulldogs put very good pressure on um, and when they got the ball, they actually went forward quite well with it a couple of times. So they, they were pretty good. But it was not a fun, it was just not a fun half of football, to be perfectly honest. So we kicked 0-7 in the first half. And then we kicked seven goals two in the second half and turned it into an absolute drubbing, like a 36-point drubbing, 51 to 15. I mean, Western Bulldogs must have hardly not hardly scored in the second half. Yeah, they yeah they basically didn't. They got one goal. We just stamped our authority and it was like we, I don't know, it's a completely different team to the first half. I don't know why it happens. 
part of me really wishes that I actually understood the mechanics of the game so that I could figure out how these things turn around so quickly. If only you, uh, you know, had some kind of weekly analysis of how things went that you could really try and keep up with. <laughs> yeah, I really stopped to think about these things on a weekly basis. But never mind. I have two theories. Um, one is that Steve Simons gave a really good address at halftime and got them all fired up. It's a theory. I don't know if that actually play, makes much difference in modern football. And my second theory is that actually they were just holding up under intense pressure from the Western Bulldogs who couldn't keep it up. That's probably a more likely scenario. Maybe there, I mean, maybe there was a key position change or something. I don't know. I don't think so. No. I, I, don't I, care. I guess your other alternative is to look at all the stats and do some detailed analysis. Uh, that's more your thing than mine. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm just going to sit here and say, hey, guess what? We've won six on the trot and we're top of the ladder. One game clear of everybody else. Good place to be. It looks good from up here. What does it look like from where you are, Tone? Yeah, okay. Well, not quite the uh, enthusiasm for Richmond there was last week. I'm still very enthusiastic for Richmond, but, yeah, that was that was a disappointing round. Having said, you had a pretty terrible first half. I reckon Richmond's first half was worse. Down 41 points to two at halftime. That's an ugly start coming off the high of last week. It certainly is. And can I also mention that Richmond made a fool of me because if you remember my bold prediction that they'd be unbeaten for the rest of the season, you texted me at halftime to tell me that that was a very stupid, bold prediction. I didn't say it was stupid. It was bold. That's what bold predictions are for. The The obvious excuse is Conti was a late withdrawal from the team and let's face it, she's far and away our best player. But even so, I still think losing in the first half that badly was was pretty disappointing. The key stat I'd like to point out for that first half was North had 53 uncontested possessions to 16. That And that just says they got the ball, kicked it to each other, and we did not get close. See, that's not Conti's problem. Like, that's not you missing Conti. That's just you not having any pressure, not caring enough. Exactly, yeah. That I think North came with a with a game plan that we weren't ready for. And we certainly had no ability to adjust on the fly. So, yeah, that's right. I don't think Conti would have changed that. We might have got hands on the ball in the middle, but the uncontested possession play killed us. Uh, in terms of bright spots, I'm, uh, yeah, I do want to highlight uh, Harriet Cordner down back. Uh, we recruited her from Melbourne in the off-season. We've talked about her a few times. She she was absolutely great. Just uh, probably played a lone hand down back because uh, my other favourite, Miller, had a bit of a bit of a shocker this round, unfortunately. Um, so she's been great. But one of the things I do want to highlight was at the end of the game, there were 13 players in single digits for possessions. I think that's where Richmond is at at the moment is that there's uh, there's too much is being left to too few. And so when those too few like Conti and, and McKenzie and a few of the others and Hosking uh, left to do it, um, yeah, there's not the midfield depth to pick up the slack. Well, that's disappointing. I'm disappointed. Yes, and so I will take the opportunity. I've been pretty positive in defeat all year, uh, but I do think it's probably time, six games in, to call out some people who I think are serially underperforming uh, after a few rounds. And I'm going to name names. I think Sarah Dargan, Cody Jarks, Sophie Mullen and Sabrina Frederick all ended up the game five or less possessions all had pretty minimal impact and certainly the first three of them are supposed to be our midfielders. 
our, our second tier midfield, and that's a really disappointing return. It really is, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think probably the really worrying thing is when you look at the stats from previous years. These are the young players you'd be hoping would be getting gradually better year on year. Molin is effectively the same. Jacques is getting less. Dargan, I mean, she was probably not an incredible midfielder at Collingwood, but she's sort of gone backwards from where she was a couple of years ago. I think that just comes back to when we start to build depth in that midfield with some extra players, that'll be the point at which we uh, we start to turn from a, a side that jags a few wins to a really good team. So to finish on a positive note, though, um, it was a great recovery. We actually won the second half. So if you know your prediction started at half time, it's still alive. Uh, Bernardi did really well, uh, made the most of getting back in the side and and scored some goals and set up uh, style for another one. Mackenzie kind of went to the midfield and really did well in the second half. And here's the stat that's surprising about it is I think that was the closest game of the round. Good God. Really? Yes. So we got thumped and it was really disappointing, but it, almost everyone else in the league did worse. Every, every other loser in the league did worse. So you're just determined to find something positive to say out of Richmond's loss, right? I, I am. Well, I like to finish on a positive note. I will say, I think I slagged off a few people on the way through, though. So, you know, you it's did. not all positive. You're right. And and it is the first time I've heard you be actually quite um, down on Richmond as a whole at the end of the, after a loss. Yes. So if I could have my time again, uh, I would still make my bold prediction but I would put some caveats on it. Okay. Do you want to caveat your prediction now? Yeah. So Richmond will not lose another game so long as they don't meet North, Brisbane, Collingwood or Fremantle and so long as um, Conti plays. Okay. No, I think that's reasonable caveats. (laughs) It it probably takes it out from being a bold prediction to a, a reasonable prediction though. I've actually, um, I've actually gone off them though. I'm, I'm now like I thought that last week was the start of, was the start of a run, the start of them really building up and you know doing something great. And now I don't think so. I think it might have just been that Geelong's really hopeless. <laughs> possibly, possibly. I've, I've probably got a little more faith than you. We'll get there eventually, but just not yet. Yeah. And so just before I finish with the wrap-up, I will say I did all of this analysis based on replays. And the annoying thing was I was not able to watch the Richmond game live because they moved the start time. The start time went to 5.10 in in Melbourne time, which of course meant it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon over here, which meant I was at work and couldn't watch it. And do you know the reason? Do you know why they did that? Uh. I'm going to bet it's something really stupid that prioritises men over women. How did you know? I've met the AFL before. (laughs) They did it just so Collingwood and Richmond men could play a glorified practice match and they didn't want the two games to clash. So I'm I'm irritated that I didn't get to watch the game just because of a practice match. And I think it again just shows, as we've always said, it's about the the lack of respect that the AFL is showing the women's game. Well said. Thanks. Hey, Tone, guess what it's time for? Is it time for my second favourite segment? It's time for Dovey Watch. <coughs> Keeping an eye on the kick-to-handball ratio of Frio superstar Sabrina Duffy. 
Well, this was another exciting week in Sabrina Duffy's career because this was not just a match high or a, or a season high. She has hit a career high kicks against West Coast. Wow, that's extraordinary. How many did you get? 20. She got 13 kicks and two handballs, and of those 13 kicks, five scoring shots. So another excellent achievement, though not quite the 100% that uh, your player, Collingwood player, I've forgotten the name of, managed. Uh, Abby Maloney. Abby Maloney, that's the one. Um, And so if we actually look at her season, and I'm going to take out when I look at the stats, I'm not counting the Gold Coast game, that was an aberration. Uh, She's up to 42 kicks and nine hand passes, which I think is a fantastic achievement. That's excellent, and I do love that you're willing to like remove stats that don't suit you. Yeah, that's fine. Well, it's called just to remove the outliers. It's a standard technique, taught in uh, statistical analysis, mostly done by politicians. Did you remove the top one as well as the bottom one then? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough then. Fair enough then. So, At least uh, I'm honest, honest about my lack of integrity, statistical integrity. Excellent. How many of her scoring shots were goals? Uh, she gets uh, three goals too, which is pretty awesome. And uh, back to back to star again, Gemma Horton kicked five, which she's the only the second woman to kick five in a game of football, I believe. Yes, which is pretty impressive. But I reckon the other person kicked eight, so she actually has a while to go. Yeah, I look, if anyone's going to kick eight, I think uh, Horton's a chance. Yeah, I saw that. She's pretty impressive. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Good on Sabrina Duffy. Keep it going. So with that, it's all time for my favourite segment, which is the Alexandra's rant. Alexandra, do you have a rant for us this week? It's a tough one, Tone. I don't have the energy for a rant this week. It's been a tough week to be a woman in Australia and to have it driven home how irrelevant we are, um, how much the system is designed to protect the men who create it and the lengths that those men in power will do and the lengths that they'll go to to hold on to that power at the expense of whatever woman dares to stand in their way. I'm not talking about football at the moment. I'm talking about broader society because actually we're not sitting in a vacuum here and the things that we see in the AFL, the gender inequality that we see in the AFL are stemming from a broader societal malaise. That is a real problem and it's really, really hard it's hard to it's hard to be a woman. <laughs> um, I just there's a few people who've um, a few women who've written some an amazing some amazing articles this week. Um, Michelle Arrow in the conversation probably said it better than I can. Women are angry and they are tired, tired of mansplainers and misogynists and those who bleat not all men instead of asking why so many men. Tired of women who've benefited from feminism yet refuse the label of feminist and tired of having to once again fight the battles that women in the 1970s and 1980s thought they'd won. We had a little bit of a joke at the start of this podcast about salary and about inequity in in pay between men and women and particularly in the AFL. We won the right to equal pay in the 1970s. Why are we still here? So well said, Alexandra. I don't think there's anything I can add to that, so I'm not even going to try. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm sorry, it's not much of a rant. It's more of a lament, um, and we'll try and perk that back up again next week with some 
really fun, loud, angry ranting. All right, let's move on and have a look at what we've got coming up. Okay, so coming up for Richmond, we well, we now have the rest of the year's uh, fixture being released, which is fantastic. So we can look forward more than one game, which is unusual. Richmond has finally got some rubbish teams to play, which is so exciting. <laughs> Suns away, then Eagles at home, uh, and then... Unfortunately, we're playing the Doggies as well, who I think are actually a pretty good side despite being thumped by Collingwood. So with that, I'm going to call, we're going to win two of those, definitely two of those. Lucky you. How's, what's up for Collingwood in the look ahead? So we're heading up to Brisbane this week to play Brisbane up in Queensland. We're then at home with St Kilda and then we go to Adelaide to play them. Right, so, so- a bit of travel. Firstly, there's a bit of travel, and secondly, I feel that we're we're doing the opposite. You finally get to play some rubbish teams, and I'm not sure that we've played any rubbish teams. Oh, we played Geelong, but we played them before anybody knew they were rubbish. And I think you played Richmond too. Yes, we did, but you nearly beat us. Well, no, you didn't really. But um... <laughs> oh, it was so <laughs> close to a compliment. <laughs> Richmond played, if Richmond had been able to kick straight, you might have beaten us that game. So that was when Richmond was coming into form. Um, And I'm not complaining because we haven't lost a game. So, you know, that's cool. I'm up for anyone and I reckon we'll give anybody a run for their money. But I'd say that Brisbane at home and Adelaide at home are two quite tough games and I'm looking forward to it. Mm, sounds good. I, I think actually looking at that run home, I don't think Richmond's played St Gilda or Adelaide either, so quite happy to be avoiding those two. Cool. So that's good. So I won't get to go, I won't get to see Collingwood this week, but I'll see if I can um, make it to, oh, are you up in Queensland as well? Tone, maybe we could go to Queensland, meet each other in Queensland and go and watch Richmond versus the Suns and Collingwood versus Brisbane. That sounds brilliant. I'm sure there'll be no possible uh, issues with border and me getting stuck on a beach in Queensland for two weeks. Actually, no, I'm fine. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listeners, we'll keep you updated with how that goes. No problem. Hey, look, and just before we wrap up, uh, I do want to follow up on something I said a couple of weeks ago before the uh, the Carlton-Richmond game where I'd started following uh, Sarah Hosking on Twitter uh, where she was, they were doing the, the twin sisters were pranking each other which ended, of course, with Sarah Hosking having her hair dyed purple. Having said that, it's been really entertaining this week. So this week on Twitter, she's been walking around the gym, well, hiding in the gym at Richmond with an air horn and blowing the air horn at other players and then slow-moing their reactions to having an air horn blown at them. (laughs) She sounds great. Yes, it's very shallow, but it's my kind of shallow. (laughs) That's my (laughs) humour. Uh, I love it. So, I love it. So yes, if, if you got some, if you feel like following anyone on Twitter, I recommend Sarah Hosking. She's quite entertaining. Yes. Um, if you're not already doing it, I would also recommend following Darcy Bessio because she's hilarious. Okay. And if you're really desperate, you could probably follow us on Twitter too. But I don't know how much we actually tweet. Oh, we tweet about the podcast every week. There we go. Oh, anyway, <laughs> follow, follow us on Twitter. That'd be great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been lovely talking to you. And uh, let's finish off with our catch cry, Go Pies! Go Tigers!